For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. All my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. All my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. All my ancient twisted karma, from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. Song of the Grass Hut I've built a grass hut where there is nothing of value. After eating, I relax and enjoy a nap. When it was completed, fresh weeds appeared. Now it has been lived in, covered by weeds. The person in the hut lives here calmly, not stuck to inside, outside, or in between. Places worldly people live, he doesn't live. Realms worldly people love, she doesn't love. Though the hut is small, it includes the entire world. In ten feet square, an old man illumines forms and their nature. A Mahayana Bodhisattva trusts without doubt. The middling or lowly can't help wondering, will this hut perish or not? Perishable or not, the original master is present. Not dwelling south or north, east or west. Firmly based on steadiness, it can't be surpassed. A shining window below the green pines, jade palaces or vermilion towers can't compete with it. Just sitting with head covered, all things are at rest. Thus, this mountain monk doesn't understand at all. Living here, he no longer works to get free. Who would proudly arrange seats trying to entice guests? Turn around the light to shine within, then just return. The vast, inconceivable source can't be faced or turned away from. Meet the ancestral teachers, be familiar with their instructions, bind grasses to build a hut and don't give up. Let go of a hundred years and relax completely. Open your hands and walk innocent. Thousands of words, myriad interpretations are only to free you from obstructions. If you want to know the undying person in the hut, don't separate from this skin bag here and now. May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. With full awareness, we have chanted the song of the grass hut. We dedicate this merit to our original ancestor in India, great teacher Shakyamuni Buddha, our first woman ancestor, great teacher Maha Prajapati, our first ancestor in China, great teacher Bodhidharma, our first ancestor in Japan, great teacher Eihei Dogen, 
our first ancestor in America, great teacher Shogaku Shunryu, the perfect wisdom Bodhisattva Manjushri, to the well-being of all those afflicted with ills, and peace pervading for all peoples of the world. Gratefully we offer this virtue to all beings, all Buddhas throughout space and time, all honored ones, bodhisattvas, mahasattvas, wisdom beyond wisdom, Mahaprajna Paramita. When Taigen is ready, he'll introduce tonight's speaker. Okay. Um, hi, everyone. Welcome. Uh, so our speaker tonight is Brian Taylor. I'm very happy to have Brian giving a talk. Brian is on our board. He is, uh, was previously work leader at Ancient Dragon and uh, also happens to be an Episcopal minister. Uh, so um, Brian has many talents. Uh, and will speak to us tonight. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Tigan. Thank you for inviting me. Um, please let me know, anybody, if the sound isn't uh, isn't enough for you. I'll try to speak up. Um, okay. Well, tonight um, I'm going to um, focus on the um, chorus of a of, of a particular song because it's been going through my head a lot in the last few weeks in relationship to a, um, a certain practice that I've been involved with for, for a while now, and has been this practice has been more, um, I don't know, vivid in, in recent uh, weeks and even months. And the song just seemed to capture something about it, about the practice. So um, it's a Bob Dylan song. And for those of you who are younger, I do realize that this is very old at this point. Uh, 60 years old, this song, uh, written when he was 22. It just like it dro dropped out of the sky into his head. You know, this song is, is, um, it's really a hymn. It's, it's really a, it's like a transcendentalist hymn. It's, it's, if, if Emerson or Thoreau were to write a hymn, it would have been like this. Um, it's a kind of a nature, um, nature hymn, but it really directly has to do with an aspect of our practice, at least for me. So I'm just going to play a little bit of it first, and then uh, I'll talk about it and maybe return to it. Here's how it, here's how it goes. Um, and let me know if you don't hear it, but it should be just fine. Thank you. 
Okay, um, so as I said, I want to focus on the chorus. The, the verses are, are wonderful, and they go, it's a, it starts out, as you heard, the first verse um, about the dawn. The second one is about the ocean, the sounds of the ocean, crashing waves like cymbals. Um, and then the sky, the crying rain like a trumpet sang. Um, and then the leaves and branches overhead. And finally, I gazed down in the river's mirror and watched its winding strum. The water smooth ran like a hymn and like a harp did hum. So the, the chorus again, lay down your weary tune, lay down. Lay down the song you strum and rest yourself neath the strength of strings no voice can hope to hum. Um, so as I said, this is really for me about practice, at least the way I'm hearing it now. And at first glance, it, it could be, you know, you could say that it's speaking to an aspect of practice that is somewhat simplistic, um, which is, you know, chill out, let go, rest in nature, rest in Buddha nature. That's it. Um, and, you know, you could say that's simplistic, but um, it's not easy. <laughs> and, and it's something that Taigan thankfully says something along those lines um, at the beginning of each session, which is a very helpful thing to hear at the beginning of a session. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I've, I don't think I've ever mastered the basics. And I have to keep returning to the, the basic things, the simplest things, to beginner's mind um, over and over again. It's also true that, that's, that there are nuances to simple things like this in terms of practice. Um, and so um, it, it's something that, that while it's a simple message, there are nuances over time that are really never exhausted. So I want to take each, each phrase, some, some of the words, and just tease them out a bit. Lay down your weary tune. Lay down, lay down the song you strum. The way I have heard this recently has been in terms of um, my own weary tune. You know, there's, there's, I probably have more than one, but one in particular I've been aware of more recently that I can get so tired of that is just this weary tune that that is a way that I am a way. And, and it's, you know, the thing about that's so kind of um, embarrassing, but wonderful about Zazen is that our weary tune is, is um, presents itself uh, without end uh, as we sit and see what's happening in our, in our brain and in our body and our emotions. And then we start to see it in our lives, in our behavior, um, and, you know, we, we're, we become more and more aware, hopefully, of what we do and what kind of uh, difficulty it causes for us in our lives, um, our weary tune. And, and for me, you know, just so you have an example, and you can be thinking about your own weary tune that you would like to lay down, um, 
I, I just like most people, you know, I, I want things and I don't want other things. And, and I apply preferences uh, to how I think life should go for me or how I want it to go for me, how I feel about specific circumstances, things coming up in the future, what I want and what I don't want. Um, in, in my case, that was laid down at a very early age, and it had to do with emotional survival. I, I had to, uh, how can I put it, kind of, I had to make sure that things would, would go my way because they weren't and nobody else seemed to be doing it for me. And I had to, as a matter of survival, I had to think things through ahead of time in order to plan them out and anticipate possible problems and solve them ahead of time and um, end up with, you know, good things instead of bad things. And that was a, that was a survival technique. And the thing about those things that we learned very early on is that not only are they hard, hardwired in our brain, but they, we, we tend to apply them indiscriminately afterwards when they're no longer needed for survival. And we apply them indiscriminately with some um, rewards along the way, because there's usually a payoff or else we wouldn't keep doing it. So in my case, um, you know, it has to do with ruminating over what is happening or might happen in the future, what is feared, what is hoped, what is preferred at the very least. And then, you know, looking at it from lots of different angles and anticipating all the ways in that which it could go, all the ways that I could respond to make sure that it would happen the way I wanted to. And um, it's kind of planning, you know, planning life uh, ahead of time. And then it, it moves into behavior in terms of executing, you know, um, getting what I want, actually. things. And, and I, in fact, it works pretty well. You know, I, a lot of times I get what I want and I avoid things I don't want. Uh, and so there's that constant reinforcement. But the problem with it in my case is that there's always dissatisfaction. Uh, it isn't really what life is about. It's tiring. Uh, it, it ends up being somewhat manipulative. And there's always another another problem on the horizon that's just about to come up. And so it's never ending. It's just a never ending cycle. So that's my confession. <laughs> and um, you might be thinking about, and it's a weary tune, you know, I mean, <laughs> I know this tune, uh, this song, I'd, I'd really like to lay it down. And um, there've been many times in my life when I thought, well, I just have to lay that down. I understand. I understand it now. You know, I've looked at it and I've, you know, trying to understand it, and um, I'll just lay it down and be done with it. And it doesn't seem to work that well, especially for things that are hardwired. So uh, we all have uh, the song we strum all our lives, and uh, other people that love us know it and and hopefully help us to, to see it and not be so controlled by it. Um, but it's always there. Um, so... Um, that's the, the song we strum, our, our weary, weary tune. Um, and you might call it your, your own individual pattern of samsara. Um, so why lay it down? Well, it's because at some point um, it starts working against us and against people we love and um, against our, our peace of mind. And um, it, there's suffering involved somehow or another in, in it. Um, and laying it down is um, is a challenge because I, I don't know about you, but I I really 
from time to time have thought over the years that if I really tried hard enough, I could just, just lay it down forever. Just, you know, I understand this thing. Let's just get rid of it here. Let go. And, um, in my case, that, that doesn't seem to be possible. Um, it doesn't happen like that. I know that some people that does happen with, you know, um, but you talk to a recovering alcoholic, for instance, and there's a daily uh, examination, a daily recognition of what uh, of, of one's patterns that need to be faced and um, and laid down again and again and again. Um, delusions are inexhaustible. Uh, I vow to end them doesn't mean I vow to end them now, once and for all, forever. You know, it, they mean it means for me at least, as they come up inexhaustibly, I, I vow to end them then at that point, and again and again. Um, my my first Zen teacher Joko Beck used to say, "We don't let go of anything; we wear them very thin." So by exposure to the light and by uh, understanding them and, and, and admitting them, uh, our weary tune gets thinner and thinner so that we can perhaps even see it as it arises rather than after we're already in the middle of it. Um, and I think the laying down is, is we're not only laying down the pattern of mental or behavioral activity, we're laying down our attitudes about it, our opinions about it, our feelings about it. Uh, it's easy when we look at our patterns of samsara to feel guilty or to feel really frustrated or to feel inadequate that somehow, you know, nobody else has this problem and I do. And why, why am I so stupid? Um, why, why am I so stubborn? Um, what's wrong with me? I thought, you know, I've been practicing a long time. How come it isn't working? All those thoughts, we have to lay those down too. Um, they're, they're, they're wonder I've been recently reading um, some stuff in the early Chan um, ancestors. And, and there, in, in every case for the first four or five ancestors, there is the same story with a slightly different element told. And that story is that the student goes to the ancestor before them um, and, and says, free me, help me. Um, the first one is said to Bodhidharma, free me from my anxious mind. The next ancestor says uh, to the one before him, um, free me from my sin. Um, I'm, 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 I'm ill, so free me from my sin. The next one is free me from my captivity. And in every case, the ancestor says to the person who's asking for this, where is it? Show it to me. Where, where is your anxious mind? Bring it forth. Where is your sin? Bring it forth. Where is your captive? Who made you captive? And when they were asked this question, every one of them couldn't find it and was liberated. And I, and I, I felt like this was something that was very true about our own samsara uh, patterns, uh, our weary tune, you know, the song we strum is... Um, we think about it, you know, and we have feelings about it, and we have we we have opinions and conclusions about it, ideas, and where is it really? Where is it? Can we bring it forth? Um, 
And as Shunryu Suzuki said one time at this point, which is more real to you? You, yourself, or your problems? Um, and so letting, letting go of our weary tune is not only ending the behavior as it arises temporarily, but also letting, letting go of our, uh, our fears, our hopes, our expectations, our frustrations, our guilt, whatever it is that surrounds that behavior or that thought pattern. So, um, and I think another aspect of letting go that, that I want to bring up that Joko Beck also used to talk about a lot is that um, letting go is really letting go of the mental activity. And it's, it's dropping down below the thoughts to um, the physical sensations. So let's fa- say, for instance, you're caught up in worry in Zazen. You're worrying about something. Um, to drop below the thinking that is going on, whatever it is, and feel it in the body. Just feel it in the body. What, what, is, what is this really? What is it like? What is its condition? What, what's, the weather, what's the weather pattern? What, is the, what does the weather feel like? Um, to feel it physically is to, is to let go of the thinking pattern that is a part of it. And we're left with the physical pattern, the physical habit. And that's something that is much simpler and it's, it's a kind of letting go, but it's also a kind of entering more deeply into it uh, to, to uh, embrace it, to make friends with it. Um, but at any rate, it does, it, does let, it does tend to let go of the, the um, reinforcing thought patterns that just keep it going. So the next um, phrase in, in Dylan's verse is rest yourself. Uh, neath the strength of strings, and the first part, rest yourself. Um, in zazen, you know, we have to remember to use it as a time of rest, um, not only physically to be in that mudra, that yogic posture of relaxed alertness, uh, so that we can physically rest, but also mental rest, the mental rest, the great relief of laying down our weary tune and being present to what is in a much simpler way than what our brain typically does. And, and being with whatever arises, even if it's our weary tune that comes up again and again, to be with it with kindness, with patience, with no ambition to kill it or to change it. Um, and yet somehow resting with it changes it too. Because it's not, it's not playing the game that it wants us to play. It's just letting it kind of quiet down. You know, I have a little three-year-old um, grandson, and toddlers are, are um, wonderful. You know, they, they, if, they, <laughs> if they're really caught up in something, if they're upset about something or whatever, and they're just banging around, you know, around the walls, a lot of times if you just um, – and, and those of you who have kids will know this too – a lot of times if you just stop and say, what, what is it? Hello, I'm here. What is it? They will just kind of rest, calm down, you know. And, and I think that kind of attending in a friendly, patient way to what's happening uh, is, is a way of uh, resting. Uh, the great relief of 
of, um, of being seen. Um, the next phrase is rest yourself neath the strength of strings. I always thought this was a curious line. You know, you think of resting on something, but this is resting underneath the strength of strings. Um, that no voice can hope to hum. What, what are those strings? In, in the song, the Dylan song that I'm referencing here, it's, um, it's nature. And in our Zen tradition, um, that's really rich. There's so much wonderful poetry that, uh, as we read it, reminds us to rest in even the words about nature, the poems about nature. But if we can to go out to a park, to go to the lakefront, to look up at the trees that are these canopies overhead in the neighborhoods in Chicago, to look up at the sky, um, to, to rest ourselves neath the strength of strings that is, that is nature. But it also might be the strength of strings um, that uh, we call big mind or Buddha nature um, or higher power or some people call God, um, to, to feel the, um, the actuality of something much bigger and more mysterious than the personal self and all its little problems. Um, another, another aspect of strength of strings that no voice can hum, hum is, is um, what is called tatata or suchness or thusness or isness, the the concrete reality of, of this here right now um, to, to move out of our thinking, our problems, our mental activity, our opinions, our hopes and fears into the sound in the room, the, the, the light in the room, the, the chair that we're sitting on, the people that are surrounding us, the, uh, the feeling of being alive. Um, it's a great relief, and, and it's, a, it's a resting place, just this, as it is. Um, and I think, uh, finally, um, the, the, the strength of strings that no voice can hope to hum. Um, I hope that something of what I'm saying is making sense to you, but... It's really hard to talk about. <laughs> um, it's hard to talk about all this stuff and, and to begin to talk about suchness and letting go and resting in it. And what is it? What, what is it we rest in? What is Buddha nature? Um, I, I can't explain it. I can't uh, control it, certainly. I can't define it. I can't guarantee it for myself. Uh, I, I can't create it, you know, at the drop of a hat. Um, if, if it were my creation, that would just be another production of the ego, right? Another, another production of my samsaric uh, weary tune, another version of my weary tune. Um, so it's a mystery, and, and we somehow yet rest in it. Um, so, so let me play just one more time the chorus here. Lay down your weary tune, lay down. Lay down this song you strum. 
And rest yourself Neath the strength of strings No voice can hope To hum So um, There we are What about some discussion? Questions? Comments? Yeah, Michael. Brian, thank you very much for your talk. Um, I resonated so much with <laughs> uh, so much of it. Uh, string pun. <laughs> um, I um, I first heard this song through the cover that the birds did. So I've never heard the original Bob Dylan. So um, thank you for playing it. Um, and thank you for discussing it um I, I i kind of took it at surface level for a long time so it's it's really nice to hear a um because an application to it um it made me think of kind of two two things one is really um how much i related to what you were talking about in terms of trying to um lay down your tune um i during zazen earlier i was uh struggling myself to to lay down my own, my own tune. Um, so it was very nice to be reminded of the basic principles of, of what, why we're here. And, um, anyway, um, so thank you for that. Um, the strings, um, I, I find it really interesting that, um, you're talking about resting the string, resting under strings as a term of like, um, kind of going back to nature um, I was reminded of another song by Kate Bush, who I don't know if, if you know her. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Love and Anger is the song I'm thinking of. Um, but she, and she peppers her songs with great metaphors, and she talks about, um, uh, I had to look up the words, um, but she talks about two strings speaking in sympathy. And uh, if I may read a blurb of the lyrics, um, it says... Um, uh, can you find it in your heart to let go of these feelings like a bell to a southerly wind? We could be like two strings beating and speaking in sympathy. And it reminded me of kind of the similar thing of like that image to me, strings speaking in sympathy um, is almost like experiencing nature because you're experiencing physics or something, but you know, very aesthetic or even a physical thing that happens. Um, but then, you know, letting go of things in such a way. And I don't know, it, it just reminded me of, of that. But, um, but yeah, um, I always, I've, I always enjoy your talks. Um, I, I struggle myself with anxiety and I, I every time that you've talked, I, I feel, um, like you're, <laughs> you're just speaking exactly what's going on in my head. So, um, it's very nice to, um, hear someone else kind of, uh, articulate it. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, Joe, I think you were raising your hand, and then Devang. Devang. Yes, Joe. I wasn't, actually, but that's, that's quite all right. I'll uh, be happy to continue. Um, it's a good talk, Brian. I got a lot out of that. 
Uh, I think my weary tune is, is, is fear. I learned fear early and I learned it really, really well. I was, um, you know, and, uh, like, uh, like a lot of us, I, I was in, I directed myself toward people in situations that uh, for one reason or another wanted to scare me. And um, that's, uh, that is something that was either, uh, you know, I hope it's hardwired. Um, that's not correct, but it, it might be, or it might be just, I learned it really, really well. Um, but it's something I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with. I think that's my, uh, um, that's my weary tune, or one of them. Uh, I'm a member of a 12-step um, group, and they very much stress um, gratitude as a kind of a, a anodyne of, of uh, uh, antidote to, to, to fear. And uh, you know, uh, it's gratitude and, and fear don't, don't uh, coexist well, uh, I think. So I'm trying to cultivate gratitude. And during Zazen tonight, I was meditating on gratitude. And I had this sense memory of pumpkin pie which makes sense. I'm an American. I would I would associate thanks, you know, giving thanks for pumpkin pie. So, um, yeah, I was very uh, uh, like like Michael. I, 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 I you were kind of reading my mind a little bit. It seems like so. Uh, thank you very. Much. You're welcome. Um, how do I pronounce your name? Is it Devang? Uh, the second way was right. Devang. Devang. Yeah. So. Uh, Thanks, thanks for the, uh, the talk. Yeah, and uh, I don't catch reactions ever, like in the moment, the way that you were describing. But what I find, what I'm finding, I mean, there's an impermanence to like all sorts of different feelings and whatnot that I have. And uh, regardless of what happens today, it's like I get back to a place of like okay. So this fear that I had yesterday is gone. I don't feel it right now. Right. So there's like a real impermanence, you know. And the thing like with the fear and the anxiety and all those are conditioned reactions. And it's like, that's a fact. That's a truth. It's like, I can't do anything exactly about that reaction that I have. Um, but I can. I'm learning, I think, maybe potentially to like pause once that reaction comes and to not necessarily act on that reaction. Right. So it's like the first thing I'm not responsible for, but the second thing I am kind of. And this whole practice, I mean, one of the groups that I go to, they, they stress like this wholeness that we are. And that's mistakes and all. It's everything about me. You know, just everything about me, whatever it is that comes. The problems that I have is like making a problem about everything. Meaning, oh, my God, how could I still be doing this thing? And, and, and that seems to cause more trouble, you know. But again, I mean, this whole practice right now, like, with the meditation, with like some, like I was saying exactly with the reactions and what they are and the fact that I don't stay, I don't still feel yesterday's whatever disappointment and all. So um, I hope as I keep going forward and stuff that I might actually be able to catch a reaction in the act, but it never happens. I don't think it's ever happened. You know, I think, I think you, go ahead, finish. Yeah. I think sometimes I, What I what I am noticing maybe though is that like uh, I'm not totally blind to the reaction. It's like I, I see it coming in a way, but I want it to come. 
it's like I want to do it. I want to give a person peace of my mind or something like this, you know? Yeah. So I do, I, it's like a choice to do it. Whereas at least, whereas before there was no choice, I was just like propelled <laughs> based on all this momentum. So I don't know. That, that's that. That's what, I would, that's what I need to say. That's very helpful. Uh, and it's a really good distinction. And I think you're, you, you know, you may be right that we, we, we can't help our reactions, especially if there are things that go deep into, back into childhood. Uh, there's, a, there's a reactivity. But, but I think what practice can do, at least it, I, know, I know it has for me, is that um, the, the time between the reaction and what comes next gets shorter and shorter. And um, therefore, we're less likely to, as you put it, to behave out of that reaction uh, and and to see it for what it is, it's like somebody um, a, a teacher used to talk about the um, the reactivity the reactivity as idiot lights on the dashboard, you know, like low on oil, you know, whatever. And it's like boom, there it is, you know. And and the feeling of in your case, fear that comes up in your body is like a an alarm bell. And to recognize that as it is happening. Uh, and stop and create a little contemplative space around it, if you possibly can, is practice. And it, it, it is liberating uh, so that you're not uh, controlled by your reactivity. That was very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, Tigan. Um, I have a few responses. Um, really appreciated your talk and the song. Um, I gave a talk in May uh, celebrating Bob Dylan's 80th birthday and played three songs. Uh, that might have been one of the ones I would have played, but anyway. Um, yeah, um, this, I, I really appreciated the way you were talking about it. You know, this, this, uh, the four Bodhisattva vows you mentioned, uh, delusions are, are numberless, I vow to end them. Uh, literally, and this is the way my teacher says it, delusions are numberless, I vow to cut through them. It's not, as you were saying, it's not that you end them forever, because some things, you know, some things we can let go of and they're gone. But mostly, these deep-rooted karmic things that you're talking about, they're deep and they keep coming up. Uh but I wanted to encourage Devong, one of the things you said is that you sometimes pause, and that's really uh, important, you know, to hit the pause button. It's not that you see it, see this pattern coming up right as it happens, but if you can kind of pause before you react to it, just, just pause. You know, uh, one, of the, one of the gifts of Zazen is just breathing. So, you know, in the middle of some um, karmic pattern, just to take an inhale and uh, exhale and just, you know, it's, it's a way of giving some space around it so that you don't have to act based on it. It's maybe that you don't see it coming or you don't even see it as it's there. But then when you feel it, and part of Zazen is also that we start to feel these things in our bodies, as Brian was saying, um, so, uh, you know, what you said, Devang, is important. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is just this, uh, we, we chanted the song of the grass hut, and there's this wonderful line there, let go of hundreds of years and relax completely. 
I don't know if, if uh, I, I'm sure Bob Dylan didn't know that chant because I, I hadn't translated it yet. But um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, letting go is another way to talk about all this. And maybe you mentioned this, but uh, let go of hundreds of years, relax completely. Uh, a lot of times we don't think of zazen as a practice for relaxing completely. You know, we have to struggle to sit upright, and you know, there's pain. In, during session, but yeah, it's really about relaxing completely. And that means uh, letting go of uh, these karmic patterns. It doesn't mean that they end. It means that you're just, you know, as Joe was saying, can hit, can pause around, as Devon was saying, you can pause around them. So um, anyway, I, I just as a Bob Dylan fan, thanks for playing some of that song, which is, you know, he he's done many, um, I don't know what to call them, spiritual or mystical songs, but that's his, uh, there's a couple of others, but that's his nature mysticism, song, mystical song. And uh, it's, I, I, I really like, love that song a lot. He only has performed it live once in 1963. So he doesn't like it so much himself, but that's okay. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, letting go letting go of our sense of control, letting go of our sense of fear about the patterns, letting go. Letting go is very deep. That's the art of, that's the art of practice. So thank you for your talk and for the comments. Thank you. Tiger. Um, yes, Patrick and then Jason. Thank you for your talk, Brian. Um, like everyone else has said a lot of, what you said resonated. Um, I, I was wondering if your thoughts on um, how to lay things down, uh, that might not be the right question, but what I find is like it actually takes like a substantial amount of energy to change that personal weary tune or that broken record. And it's sometimes hard to find. Um, and then I, I was happy to hear there's the rest afterwards, but it seems like there's this first crest to get over to finally say, or to finally realize like, wow, I, I can or should lay this down. And I was wondering if you had any thought, thoughts related to that. Well, I think fe feeling the um, the effect of it is is the motivation to lay it down. Uh, as far as how we do that, um, we have to find our way. And and uh, I I know that trying to think our way through it is only creates more problems. At least in in the process of zaza, that that may we may, we may want to think it through in in other settings. Um, but in Zazen, we're not trying to figure it out or find an escape route or something. Um, for me, it, it has to do with seeing that it is happening. And, and actually on that particular pattern that um, I described to you earlier, sometimes I will, in fact, quite often, I will say to myself, when I see that happening, I'll just simply say to myself, you don't have to sort that out right now. 
And that's sort of a friendly thing to say towards a pattern, you know, not, I'm not saying get thee behind me, Satan. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying you don't have to do that. And with, with no kind of figuring out what do I do instead or how do I get rid of it or any of that kind of thought process. But I think the other practice that I learned a long time ago is, is returning to suchness, returning to the body, um, that whatever is going on in your head, to let, letting go might really be just a matter of shifting focus, shifting from that to the body to the suchness of, of this moment, changing your view. Jason, you had a question or a comment? Yeah, um, Chrisley, thanks. This um, the it was a great talk, and it's so far been a, a fantastic discussion. Lots of right things have been said. Um, I guess two things kind of co-mingle, and I don't. I'll try to like spit it out and have it make sense, but who knows where it'll land. Um, you said something uh, about Joko Beck uh, being a her being a student of hers and she was very big in to naming things as a way to kind of make things threadbare. And I find that to be such a kind of organic way of just showing the causality of impermanence of feelings like, Oh, that's anger there. Oh wait, where did it go? Um, like just actually pointing it out just somehow does something alchemically to it. Um, or allows that alchemical process to happen anyways. But going back to the song, so it lay down the song you strum and rest yourself neath the strings of uh, the strength of strings. It's in, in how you are reading the, uh, the strength of strings as being nature. Um, the song that you strum whether or not it's fear or anxiety or rejection or loneliness or alienation that's played on nature uh, that's played on the guitar that's played within the thing that you're you actively use that thing and are resting under that so in some way there's like um this is the part where my words are probably going to fail there's an antidote to those feelings within those feelings and I don't know exactly where that happens, but I have experienced massive anger and rage in Zazen and become a, a pillar of fire and then just been cooled just by saying I'm angry. Mm-hmm. So that, that strength of strings, I think, is within the feeling of rejection or fear or whatever it is that you're feeling and not pushing it away and not doing anything with it, but just saying right. hello. right. Saying hello, that's good. Yeah, and I think there, there are different ways of that, that practice of naming is really interesting. Um, Joseph Goldstein, I believe, was, was writing one time about um, taking away the self in that by saying, instead of saying, I am angry, say, angering. Um, something like that. So it's, it's simply an energy. An energy. And, and, the, and the way that I learned as far as how to drop below the thinking about it and the, the, the mental construction of that, let's say it's anger, is to, is to really feel it, feel that energy. As, as you said, become a fil- pillar of angry fire in your case. And, th- and that is within, within that, 
is uh, the freedom, perhaps, uh, because it, it opens it up to uh, what it is rather than what we're going to do with it or where it came from or anything like that. Yeah, Jason, go ahead. I have another question. Co, I've been seeing that baby come on and off the screen yeah. for months. What what's that darling's name? Introduce us. Okay. Um this is uh, Amaya. 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 She's our foster baby. Um uh she's been with us since she's been 9 days old and she's a little over 6 months now. And we just find found out that um um, she's going to be staying with us for another six months. Her mom had a, a setback. Um, wow. So um, so we're kind of holding that family in prayer and best wishes. But uh, Amaya will be staying with us for another six months. Mm. Well, thanks for including her. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. And I, I turn her off. Not doesn't draw too much focus during like the talk. So I hope it's okay. Sure. That's fine. That she comes on occasionally. That's great. <laughs> Doesn't distract. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. It's one of the good things about Zoom. Um, before I forget, in the chat room, I posted a link to that song, which you can listen to through YouTube. And I also posted a PDF of the lyrics themselves. I mean, you can get those online in a second, but I, this is a handy way of accessing them if you want to. Brian, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go Devon, ahead. Want to say something or Tygen? Devon, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say you were talking about feeling. You know, when one of those patterns comes up, just to feel it. You know, when you were talking about the aspect of you know not thinking about it or figuring out, but just uh, how does it? You know, just the somatic aspect of it. And I have numbers of times. Some of you heard me recommend as a mantra. You could take it as a koan just to say to yourself in Zazen, how does it feel? Speaking of Dylan. You know, that, that going back to Jason's point there of, of I'm, I'm maybe, maybe I'm, I don't know if I'm interpreting what you said correctly, but, or, or accurately in terms of what, what you're trying to say, but um, within the, within the problem itself is, is the, the liberation um, that, you know, if I'm if I'm having a down day, you know, if I'm if I'm feeling kind of blue, kind of depressed, uh, for no particular reason, it's just there. I I'm really kind of in distress. The more I am in my head about it, what is this? Where's it coming from? How can I fix this? Why does this keep happening? Is there some solution? Maybe I should do this. I'm really in distress as I do that. When I when I feel the blue. It's a huge relief, and and it is the liberation. In fact, I'm I'm more free and more centered after I've done that than I normally am when I'm feeling happy. <laughs> you know, it brings me to that place. Is that kind of what you were trying to talk about a bit? 
Yeah, essentially. And I'm glad that you brought up uh, blue because, you know, the blues is probably the most liberative music possible. And it's all about the worst things in all of our lives. And we all share them more or less. But it's hard not to love the blues. Everyone has to love the blues. So, um, okay. So, you know, the thing that you said, dropping down below the thought, you know, like feeling it, like feeling it, there's no time. That's what I feel like at the moment. Okay. And I know from like practice, it's like the thing that I'm all like overwhelmed and distraught about that happened at work during that time. All it is, is feeling thought, feeling thought, feeling thought. Then as soon as I get to like the meditation, things open up for sure. There's much more going on than feeling thought. Yeah. So it's positive that on the cushion, I I can see that, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, I find so simple, easy. Uh, It's not so simple, easy, like in real life. Absolutely. And I've been doing this for like seven years. Yeah. (laughs) And there seems to be such slow progress, I would say, maybe. Um. I guess it's very encouraging, though, that there is just one one life. So what's happening on the cushion is going to happen in real life, too. So that that's very positive. If I can stay to that part, if I can stay there, but I and and I'm staying more there than the other place of oh, I still stink, I still suck, I'm still me. So that's positive. These are all positive things that are happening, but they're so slow, and there's no time. You're right, and and I think. Um... There, there's no time when things are really busy and, and there's things are jammed up against one thing after another in, in a busy work life, especially. But there are moments. Um, no, there's no there's no time to, like, feel the whole thing and to see that, like, at that moment of crisis, it's not just thought feeling. There's no time to just sit and just to relax and just to, like, let it be. Or I don't give it time. Put it that way. Yeah, that's that's really what it is. I, I'm I'm thinking of an I mean it, it doesn't take a cushion and it doesn't take necessarily a lot of time. With practice over time, what, what happens is that it's it becomes uh easier to drop into that place more quickly and it doesn't take as much time. So that like today I went to the grocery store and for some reason there were a whole lot of people. And for some reason, this one item that I was buying wouldn't work on the scanner and, and they had, and there was a new checkout guy who was really slow and he didn't seem to be very motivated to figure it out. And we were, there were like eight people sit, standing around waiting for, it must've been 10 minutes. And, and the people behind me were getting kind of irritated. I found myself getting irritated, but I really didn't have anywhere I had to go right then. And in a moment, in a moment, I just remembered to open up and feel the anxiety that I was feeling in my body and feel the room around me and the people around me in a moment. And so it, it, and that it all kind of freed up at that point. And so it, it, over time, I think what happens is we get, we get quicker at recognizing it and quicker at dropping below and it doesn't take as long once we're there to get the benefits of it. How are we doing on time, by the way? Speaking of time. When do we normally? It's probably about time to wrap up and uh, 
do our closing Bodhisattva vows. But uh, if, you know, if somebody else has something to say, I think. Anyone who hasn't spoken yet or any last words? Yes, I would, I would just share that I went to a workshop over the weekend at Minnesota Zen Center. I think it's called our Minneapolis Zen Center. And uh, it was given by the workshop was given by uh, Norman Fisher. And um, he was presenting some of his essays uh, that he compiled, I guess, in his latest book or recompiled old essays and one of them was an ode to jazz. And so I have heard that Bob Dylan was influenced by black musicians. Um, and so I just, you know, your talk tonight about music, I really appreciated it. And I connected it with, with Norm's, uh, with Norm's essay and the influence that blues and jazz has had in American music, American art, American, everything American. Yeah. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. All that root stuff is really deep, really is as part of our uh, national character and our individual character. If we've grown up here. <clears throat> Thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody. <clears throat> Patrick, could you lead us in the four of us? Yes. Then we'll have uh, announcements. Okay. <clears throat> Beings are numberless. I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to realize it. Beings are numberless. I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to realize it. Beings are numberless. I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to realize it.